This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to a very, very interesting episode of the world's best construction podcast. We've got a little banger coming up for you today. Uh, I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. Let's come to Luke first this week. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Um, I've been looking at, like, flights. Uh, I realise I say that every week. Like, not too bad. In the exact <laughs> yeah, same way. Bad, away, not away too bad. It. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. <laughs> I'm Fred Bly, mate. You're all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> And Fred always, Fred's, Fred's like saying, we got a banger, we got a banger yeah. this week. It's true, we have got a banger hey, this I week. I can't help, every episode's great, okay? Yeah, this is true. Fault. This is true. Well, listen, I've been I've been uh, trying to figure out my year, trying to figure out some travel plans and stuff. And Fred, Liam, you you guys might have noticed, particularly Fred, because you've just got back from traveling. Isn't Mirror like flights more expensive than what they were like a few years ago? Yeah. Or even even last year, like flights are getting really expensive, and like adding on baggage and stuff like that, they've all gone like really lean, and it's, yeah. it's going to cost me a fortune. Have you noticed that? I don't know if it's inflation or they're all trying to make up the money they lost in COVID, but um, mm. yeah, it's definitely a much more expensive. It's like, oh, you want a seat? Oh, you got to pay extra for that. You want a yeah. meal? You want to bring a bag? Oh no. Honestly, it's that. like it's with the seat thing. We're just risking it. We're going. Nah, not booking it. We're just going to wait till check in because that's that's what you used to do, right? That's what you used to do. What's the, the charge for a seat? Like that's like fifty quid a seat, mate. Fifty quid? Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. What, what airlines? This? I think it's United. I'm flying to U- quid. DC with United. Yeah. Oh, mate, Fred, yeah, Fred, who who did you fly with? To you've just been to New York. I've just been to New York, and it was you. Yeah. You you could rock up and just get a seat at check in, or like to sit in the in the middle of the plane was fifty quid, and it was forty five quid. I think I paid twenty three quid and was down the back by a toilet. But hey, I got to New York and back. So what what airline was it? Uh, Norse, which is the the former CEO of Norwegian, who when Norwegian Air cut their long haul uh, division during covid he bought the long haul planes has now rebranded them from norwegian to norse and created a, an airline that purely goes from europe to north america back and forth multiple wow. times a day yeah it's good really good food you really? recommend it yeah i've seen that what do you have like, mate yeah what it you was it was no frills though right so it was long haul there was there were movies but there was no there was there were no frills there was no wi-fi there was no the movies were rubbish you know it was it was minimal for a flight to New York, it was okay. I wouldn't want to go to LA on it. Mm. Right. I don't. I don't mind airplane food. I love the little how it's all packaged up for you, especially doing those long haul flights. You get your little cheese, <laughs> little bread roll, you know, you get a little pasta on the side, little crackers, little four wrap dinner for Liam. Yeah. Oh, that's good. My f- my favorite uh, experience, food experience on a flight, was when um, I flew to Hong Kong with Cathay, Cathay Pacific. And yeah. you can just press on your monitor like a noodle button, and like someone <laughs> just bring you like noodles at any at any time in the flight, and you could do it multiple <laughs> times. This is outside of your main meal, yeah. So you got your main meal, you got breakfast, but yeah, you mate. can just have noodles. It was crazy. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, bag and thirty three J again. He wants more yeah, noodles. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because doing doing long haul from my say New Zealand to England, Australia to England, I've done quite a few of them over the years, and that's quite standard for. I mean, not noodles, but you fly like Air New Zealand, Singapore Airlines, you like little sandwiches, things like that between your meals. You get your little menu, oh. you push the button. Yeah, mate, it's good though, isn't it? 
When you fly to America, you don't get none of that. You, really? you don't get any of that. You're, you're lucky if you get like a soda. <laughs> like, do you want a soda, sir? Oh, nah, you want yeah, cream that's... with your coffee? No, I want yeah. milk. You weirdo. <laughs> as nice as this airline chat is, Liam, how's your week been? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Just doing same old over here. Life's good. Um, yeah, mate. Nothing. Nothing real. Really much to report on. How uh, how have you been, Fred? How was New York, mate? Oh, it was amazing. It was awesome. Like it's always awesome, but this trip was particularly awesome. The weather. The fans we met on the ground, the stuff we were filming, the locations we went to—it was just—it was just epic. The whole trip was epic. As ever in New York, I didn't sleep much, so I was going to bed at like half eleven midnight, and then getting up at like half three, four, and just basically did, did the whole week on about four hours sleep. So I was absolutely broken by the weekend. But um, yeah, that was really good, really good. The skyscraper celebration was a great event. We had a fantastic turnout. So many nice people came down. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. I had a really, really good time. I miss it already. It, um, as always, New York kind of breaks you, but I, I like mm-hmm. that. Enjoy you look that. like you've picked up a little bit of uh, some sun while you're over there, mate. Yeah, well, the sun's actually shining in the US, which is nice. <laughs> I actually felt heat on my skin, which was quite, <laughs> which was quite novel. So, so yeah, that was good. It was good. Um, yeah, and I'm back in the UK now and getting ready for for a big weekend. I actually want to say uh, congratulations to someone who I know is a long term listener of the podcast and a huge fan of modern architecture. His Majesty the King. Congratulations this Saturday, mate. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> he loves he loves a glass skyscraper, does Charles. <laughs> Charlie, oh Charlie. Oh. Do you know what? And it and it finally happened. We got a photo through of a fan stopping Fred Mills in the street asking oh, for a photo. Yeah. So, so we've got they, proof. There were multiple. There were five people stopped us in the street going, Oh my god, I love your channel. Are you Fred Mills? Can I get a picture? Well, we only and then I say to them, thing. can we you please post it on social media? Because Liam and Luke won't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> have any please, of these images appeared? No, they have not. Please, please, yeah, please put it on I, social media. It looked like you were taking a selfie with the guy. <laughs> Didn't look like he was taking you were taking a selfie with it. You know what I mean? Um, very similar to your phone case. So as Victoria, well. Victoria like whipped her phone out. I was like, well, I'm going to get a picture of you getting a selfie so I can prove it to Liam and I knew she, she put it on Slack I was like I knew within, within like 20 minutes Liam was going to say something <laughs> sock sure enough there he was um, anyway mate I just want to double back to the King's um, coronation this weekend are you both going to swear allegiance to him I'm going to watch it on TV. Can't say I'm going to be swearing on the I feel in the moment. I can't believe that's a thing. I really cannot. And 2023, I cannot believe that's a thing. <laughs> I think there's lots of bits that they've tried to really put a lot of effort into modernizing and making it very much reflective of society, which I think is a really good thing. I think this, the allegiance thing has come from Lambeth Palace and the church, which is a bit, I think I agree, is a bit intense. <laughs> Yeah, um, but on swinging it back to our podcasts, um, the Prince of Wales, as he then was, has done a lot for the built environment through the Prince's Foundation, mm-hmm. um, up uh, upskilling people on trade skills to come into the industry. Yeah, there's some good stuff. He obviously has had a mixed foray into architecture, including at Poundbury down in Dorset. But um, yeah. Yeah, big day well, on Saturday. Haven't got my invite yet. Must be in the post, I imagine. Yeah, you, you two days off. Yet? Though, it? Two days off. So mm-hmm. yeah, last minute. All worth it. <laughs> anyway guys because the king is listening we're going to crack on with the agenda uh this week we've got a really good episode coming up for you we've got the crazy auction of new york's flat iron building which kind of has to be seen to be believed absolutely mental story uh new york's new climate exchange london's new skyscraper rising on old street roundabout and manchester city's 300 million pound new entertainment venue whole thing as always sprinkled with witty banter and some of your comments from the week Let's go. First up this week, we are talking about the crazy auction of New York's Flatiron Building. Before we get into this, have you guys do you guys know this building? Have you heard of the Flatiron Building? Yeah, mate. I think I think I've known this building from a very early age through movies. As soon as I googled it, as soon as soon as I saw the video um, and googled more about the, vi- uh, the 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 building, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that in so much. I'm, I'm sure it's in Friends a lot. I'm sure it's been featured in Friends. It's just like B-roll, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Definitely. It's it's also in Spider-Man. Uh, and that's, again, where I was like, oh, yeah, I recognize this bad boy. And then, but it, I, I got to know it more as I as I got older as a uh, architecture and skyscraper fan, because this is one of the early tall buildings in in New York. So, oh, mate, yeah, I am very happy that we're doing a video on this. It's very impressive. What about you, Fred? How how long has the affair with Fred Mills and New York's <laughs> Flatiron building going on? Do you know, I actually had a black and white poster, this, but incredible black and white poster of this building on my wall from quite a young age. I think it was the first poster I had on my bedroom wall. Um, which kind of goes back and shows how much of an architecture geek I am. So other kids had like Britney Spears and, you know, <laughs> people like that. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was Britney Spears in those days. Um, but no, not me. I had the Flatiron building on my wall. That's yeah. incredible. That's that is sick. amazing, mate. That's yeah. amazing. I, Flash. Sad. Speechless. So it really sad. is. It really has been that long. Like you've, you've been, since you were a wee lad, you knew you knew that this was all going to be your life, yeah? Yeah, I really do like building stuff, yeah, and <laughs> architecture and buildings and New York skyscrapers. So, um, yeah, bit of a geek, bit of a geek. Um, anyway, as we said, most of us have probably seen it before. It's it's all over pop culture. You might not have realised what it's called. If, you, if you're listening to this and you're not sure what we're talking about, it is a stone triangular-shaped building in New York. Um it's only 22 stories tall on an island full of massive skyscrapers, but it's managed to endure as a New York icon since it completed way back in 1902. However, in recent years, it's sat empty and under scaffolding, and now a New York court has ordered it to be put up for grabs for auction, and that auction has turned into a total farce. It is shocking. This story is, is unreal. We're going to come on to that in a bit. First of all, I want to give you a little bit of history. You might not understand this because obviously New York has a grid-based system. Uh, so normally everything's very straight lines, very straightforward. Um, basically, this unusual triangular-shaped site gets created by Broadway. So Broadway is kind of the exception to New York's grid-shaped rule. It kind of cuts its own path across the city. Where Broadway cuts across Fifth Avenue, you get this very unusual triangular-shaped site created. 1901, the Fuller Company... Uh, bought the site, then appointed Chicago architect Daniel Burnham to design a new headquarters for the Fuller Company, and they wanted to maximise every single inch of their little triangular site. So he came back with this bold triangular plan for the Flatiron Building, which was then known as the Fuller Building. It became known as the Flatiron Building uh, in time. But yeah, an incredible story, isn't it? For me, it kind of proves that de- developers in New York, if there's a plot of land... They're going to make some floor space out of it, you know? <laughs> I, I, I love that about New York, you know? And I think historically, that's what, um, you know, the skyscraper in places like New York and Chicago um, in the early 1900s was all about, you know, maximizing profit out of floor space on a tiny patch of land. And this is such an awkward like patch of land, isn't it? You know, everything else, all the other tall buildings um, from from the same era were always rectangular, right? They were always traditional towers, and the fact that they they still went along and built this, and and the result is is it's it's a big deal. It's a really really big deal. It is a New York landmark, and I think like what you said, Fred. Most people recognize it. Most people, if they saw it while they're in Manhattan, would take a selfie with it, right? And I think that's kind of like the testament. <laughs> Liam's doubting that. <laughs> Bye. Would they upload it though? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, well, I would. I, I would. Um, it's it's a hugely recognisable building. And yeah, I like the story, Fred. Um, I wasn't aware that there was this much drama. Even just historically, I'm not even talking about now, like historically, I wasn't aware there was this much drama around this building. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a beautiful building. It's a New York landmark, but it's got so much history and story behind it. It's crazy. And actually, when we were down there, you see in this video... Uh, there's most of it is hosted on camera, uh, so we filmed some stuff down there last Thursday uh, on the, on on and around the Flatiron Building site. And the, the, like you say, there was loads of tourists, loads of people taking pictures. Everyone stops and holds their cameras up. It's that kind of building that you know 
makes people want to take a picture because it's so famous. Hmm. Um, I want to take you through a bit of the kind of construction history now. So when, obviously, so Fuller Company bought the site 1901, I think May 1901, they started demolition of some of the buildings that were on there and then started the new construction project. Uh, construction raced along. At one point, they were adding a new floor every week. Um, but this site basically created a very challenge, a, bit, a big challenge for construction teams. It had an unusual footprint. There was no site working space. You've got busy New York streets on either side of you. So they had to get pretty clever. Now, following a recent change in the city's fire codes, this actually became one of the earliest buildings in the city to kind of shun load-bearing masonry and take advantage of steel for its structural frame. More than 3,500 tons of steel was prefabricated off-site in Pennsylvania and then driven and delivered into New York and dropped into place almost immediately when it arrived. And that, that was all to minimise the amount of storage they needed on the tight site. There's no space in the site. There's nowhere to put in a thing. So everything that turned up had to be offloaded and put straight onto the skyscraper. Closely following the steel frame upwards was the building's kind of then revolutionary curtain wall cladding system. So you had this ornate terracotta and limestone stonework that was used to kind of infill and clad around the structural steelwork that actually carries the building's weight so very similar to the current kind of skyscrapers you see running up with a steel frame with then cladding and walls and filling the steel frame this is one of the first buildings in new york to do that so it was quite revolutionary at the time and incredibly that sharp top corner at the top of the building that front corner is just two meters wide and has an angle of 25 degrees like it is and when you see it standing there it is an incredible feat of engineering i walked up from kind of lower manhattan up towards Mm. madison square park where it is and when you first see the building from the side you don't really realize that it's triangle shaped when you come around the front of it you suddenly get that dramatic profile and yeah that front corner is just ridiculous i was just gonna ask did did you notice like the wind at all at the bottom of it fred like a like a little microclimate it was pretty windy yeah i have to say i was more blown away by the fact the sun was shining the leaves and flowers were out spring had arrived i was in new york yeah mate that's more i had a coffee in my hand because at that point i needed coffee so all together i was just having a good time the wind wasn't really top of my list but it was it was now you mention it was a little bit breezy yeah and that was a huge deal wasn't it when it was built like people were complaining and going mental because they were like oh it's windy and people find anything to moan about right but especially back then there wasn't anything like this in the area tell us more about that fred funny headlines and stuff we've put in the some like newspaper clippings and stuff we put in the video which are really interesting to look at it's like it'll blow you away or stuff like this yeah um but yeah the steel frame they actually built the steel frame to withstand four times the expected wind loads acting on it so you imagine because it's on it stands kind of at the i'm going to use the word confluence here i'm not sure that's right but where uh broadway and fifth avenue collide you have this very sort of large open space and you have two very large avenues running down to it so the wind can pick up quite a lot of speed towards it um, or at least they thought it could and there are strong gusts coming down the island from the north that split around the sides of the building that create quite a windy experience it didn't feel particularly windy to me when i was there it was a bit of a breezy day but not like i wasn't like oh my goodness me we're at the flat iron either mm. storm tornado type stuff um but yeah no it's interesting how they engineered that yeah well it's probably found, um, prob- Sorry, oh, sorry, go Liam. Go ahead, Play me now. <laughs> uh, no, no, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Oh no, you go, you go. Yeah, cool. I, I just wanted to um, mention something I noticed with the uh, the water powered elevators, right? The little cartoon that they've drawn there, Otis Brothers, the elevator company. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. That's amazing. That what the building's 121 years old or around about that, and Otis elevators were back then. They were they were getting people up building skyscrapers with water-powered elevators just that actually blows my mind now yeah, I mean, they're the world's tallest skyscrapers right yeah exactly i mean they they pioneered i think the first elevators were like the late 1800s but a lot of the high-rise buildings in manhattan were enabled by elevators and in particular by the otis elevator system it's in it's in the empire state building for example um but is it yeah the water pressured uh elevators they were infamously slow uh, and would occasionally break and spring leaks and flood parts of the building. But it was all about the elevator, because if you did, did 22 stories, that was the sales pitch. You know, if, you, if you've got an office or a you know space on the 22nd floor, there, there is one staircase up to the top. Like You don't want to be doing 22 flights of stairs to get to your office. That's madness. So yeah. the elevator was kind of a selling point, even though it was slow and 
prone to leaking and flooding everything. It was better than the stairs. Yeah, yeah, different time. This uh, this building is such a big deal. It's such a big deal. You know, it's in in so many ways. It was a first of its of its kind uh, for New York, right? Like even what you're saying that um, earlier, Fred, the fact that um, it's the the, the load bearings were different, right? This had a steel body, um, and I I think that's one of the reasons why its legacy stands. But also, it looks really good. It looks really, really, really good. So the cladding they put on it is high quality. It's terracotta, is that right? Yeah, terracotta and limestone. That. And it's so ornate when you get there. It's almost like Parisian. It's so it's got this kind of Beaux Arts design to it. We and again this we say in the video, we talked to um Alice Sparberg Alexu, who's like a specialist on the Flatiron Building. She wrote a book on the Flatiron Building. But she talks about how all these, how all these architects around that time all studied a similar sort of uh, principle, and that principle is very much reflected in the Flatiron Building. It's funny, it's, we're talking about how revered it is right now, right? But when it was first completed, people hated it. Like, it was it was met with consternation. The public weren't a fan. It became dubbed Burnham's Folly. I said uh, Burnham was the architect. Burnham's Folly was the headline. Hmm. Um, it was actually sold at auction before. So during the Great Depression, it was sold off for $100,000. Um, so it's had a bit of a checkered history. But I, I think since that time when it first opened and people weren't really sure about it, as we've been saying on this podcast, like it's massively endured. It's become part of the fabric of New York. It is a landmark of New York. In fact, it's now been given, uh, in, well, in 1966, it was given official city landmark status. And then in 1989, it was elevated to national historic landmark status. So it's like a properly recorded landmark of America. Yeah, and so it should be, mate. So it should be. I love it, mate. Huge fan. I like what you said about the Parisian uh, design. I think that really comes through. And I, I, I feel like this was um, an era in, in American design, especially those early skyscrapers, where you can you can definitely see that um, Paris inspiration, or really before that, that was inspired by you know Rome and Greece, um, classical architecture. And I think somewhere kind of... You know, leading up to the Woolworth Building, which is another favourite building of mine in New York, and after maybe that's where kind of Art Deco came in, and you're, you're really seeing New York and Chicago's own identity. You know, their own design that is, you know, it's clearly inspired by you know Paris and you know things before, but it's its own take, and I love that. The Flatiron Building is kind of this texture in between those two worlds, literally two worlds. You've got Europe and the New World and its own take. You know, it's bigger, it's taller, it's it's fresher. And I think that was the point of, you know, this type of architecture in New York at the time. I love it. I love the story. But that story has taken a bit of a turn. As with many things in modern-day America, there's been there's been a bit of a twist Flatiron Building has sat empty since 2019. So Macmillan Publishers, who were the last tenants, they've been there for a very long time. Obviously, there's been a lot of disruption in the publishing world. We spoke about this before. They moved out in 2019, and then renovation works of the building began. Those renovation works triggered multiple disagreements among the building's current owners and the future tenants. So 75% of the building is owned by several different parties, including a guy called Jeff Gorell, who's kind of a very big real estate figure in New York. 25%, 25%, the remaining 25% of the building is owned by Nathan Silverstein, the son of the big famous Silverstein guy who bought the World Trade Center. Things got so bad in those disputes, they just couldn't agree a way forward that a New York, well, the New York Supreme Court intervened for the first time in nearly 100 years. The New York Court intervened mm. and forced the building up to auction to basically sell it on to new owners. Um, that auction was held outside on the steps of a courthouse, which is just starts is just a bit weird. With opening bids starting at fifty million dollars, this was crazy, right? So you've got like trestle tables, you've got people stood outside a courthouse, you've got members of the public just rocked up and crowded round. Very, very unusual. Over the course of about forty minutes, things in the bidding process kind of quickly escalated, and this guy uh, called Jacob Garlic, unexpected, unknown buyer called Jacob Garlic, turned up. And started like upping the bid by like two million dollar increments each time, pushing it up really, really high. Eventually, beat out Jeff Gurrell, the guy, the building's current owner, who wanted to buy the whole thing, 
with a bid of 190 million US dollars. So he pushed up from 50 million to 190 million. Now, the building's value, the rumor was the building's value had gone down because it needed uh, $100 million of renovation work. So for someone to buy it for $190 million was a bit of a turn up for the books to start with. Um, the twists continue. Garlic then disappeared. So he can, he's completely dropped off the face of the earth. He failed to make the $19 million uh, deposit payment required within the right time period. And he hasn't replied to any messages from the media. No one can find him. No one can track him down. Is he even a real person? We don't know. Um, it, crazy. I don't know how you can just rock up to an auction, uh, bid, and disappear. Is there surely like when you go to an auction, especially a high value one like this? Like when you go to a house auction, right? For for my house, you sign a bit of paper and it says you're held against your bids. You're liable for this, right? So surely. Surely that signs something. Yeah, so that we looked holds- into this, right? We looked yeah. into this. And in the court filings that we've seen, bidders weren't required to pay a deposit of any sort uh, or to prove they had proof of funds before the auction began. They had to prove it afterwards, which is very unusual. Experts have said that is not what usually happens on an auction like this. So, it's, yeah, it, 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 something's weird. Something's gone amiss here. But, yeah, also, Liam, it's auction, not auction. Uh, I knew that was coming. It, it sounds like um, I know we kind of briefly mention it, you know, allegedly. Um, he was just trying to get the the bids up um, and then obviously didn't expect it to go to 190. And um, he's done a runner. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that rumor is that Nathan Silverstein, the 25% owner of the building, was basically because he knew he was going to get screwed out of the building sent down this this person who's taken the name Jacob Garlic, whether he's real or not, we don't know, uh, and basically got him to push the bids up so that he could get more money. But then it seems to have gone wrong in that he's actually won the process, doesn't have $190 million, and that there's ne- they're now talking about rerunning the auction, running it again. I've never met anyone with the surname Garlic before, so that is a little bit suspicious, you know, in the first place. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So... <laughs> Um, a jest, of course. Uh, it's a cool, cool name. Um, it's it, this is messy. Do you think it is like just speaking freely? Yeah, and all of this is yeah, allegedly what what's what's going down. Just speaking freely, like is this all a bit suspicious? Do you think there is something maybe a little bit there, something a bit odd, a bit yeah, dodgy, maybe hundred percent? What some guy no one's ever heard of or could any find any record of rocks up. It's 190 million and drops off the face of the earth. Yeah, I'd say there's something pretty weird going on. Has he got a LinkedIn? You can find everyone on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. There's garlic with a cash. Garlic with a wants to search. <laughs> <laughs> we were putting this together. We were like brainstorming ideas for how to make this video. And uh, someone said, oh, we should try and get into a Jacob Garlic. And I'm like, um, well, the FBI can't find him, so if you can get, if you can get him on Zoom <laughs> for a bit of a chat, then good luck. <laughs> mm, it is well, odd. At the, at the footage of um, him winning the auction, right? He's on his knees. He looks like he's – you could either take that two ways. He's either really happy or he's just like, holy crap, what have I just done? Or he's faking he's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's acting. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like, what have I done? Why, you know, what have I done? 190 million. That's the thing with the bidding process is that you can just kind of get caught up, can't you? Oh, in man. The, the adrenaline. Yeah, do, do you, do, I bet you feel like that when you're Liam. I, wouldn't. <laughs> I, I loved it, mate. I, I think I said this yeah. before on the podcast. I, I was loving it. It's just really fast and aggressive bids when someone would make one <laughs> someone would make a bid and i'd be like 2000 straight away as soon as i finish this sentence i'm like 2000 <laughs> is this about buying your house yeah. This- <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. i can't believe australia man you guys do it different down there <laughs> old liam garlic turning up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe it's the drama. Sage, sage or something. Who are you? I'm Peter Oregano. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you could get away with that, Fred. You could get away with that. That persona. What would your I fake can't... what would your fake auction names be, guys? Uh Luke Banana, mate. Clearly. 
Yeah. Why, what? Why, why banana? Why, yeah. Well, in in recent episodes, Liam would always make fun of the fact that I'd, I'd have a banana before before recording the podcast. <laughs> Do you not remember that? Liam? I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. mate. For any other reasons. What's your name? Prince Albert of (laughs) the nudist beach. You have a little banana to pump you up. That's right. Bit of energy, mate. Yeah, exactly. That's why potassium. Yeah, we all need the potassium. I I adore this building. I really, really love this building. I think it's one of my favorites in New York. Um, I just hope that it gets back to where it needs to be. The scaffolding's not still... On it, it is, is it? unfortunately, it's still there. It is still there. I think it's what struck me when you when you visit it is this building's stood there for 121 years. You know, and in that time, think of what's happened. There's been the rise of the skyscraper. There's been the Great Depression. There's been a world war. There's been the immense changes of the 20th century. Um, there's now a reshaping in how we use our cities. It's you know, it's trying to find new life with new tenants. It's seen so much of New York, and I think. Of course, it's going to come through this. Of course, it'll be it'll be fine. I think it'll be preserved as, as rightly so as a national landmark. Yeah. Um, but I think things like this are only going to help make it. We say this in the video. I think things like this will only help make it more legendary and more memorable. Mm-hmm. It's another anecdote, you know, for that building. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a cool, interesting twist. I don't think it's going to taint it, taint its reputation at all. I think it will endure as a New York landmark. Let us know what you think about this, guys. What is your take on the crazy auction of New York's Flatiron Building? What's really going on? Um, are you Jacob Garlic? If you are, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the body. Be a great little, <laughs> great little chat. Um, yeah, get your comments coming in, guys. Podcast at the B1M.com. And Jacob, if you're listening, that's the email address, mate. Podcast at the B1M.com. Thanks. Also in the news this week, we are staying in New York, where plans for the New York Climate Exchange have been unveiled. So this is a mass timber structure that's going to be constructed out on Governor's Island, which is the sort of large island closest to the southern tip of Manhattan Island. Uh, Designed by Skidmore, Owings & Merrill in collaboration with Stony Brook University, the building is going to range from four to eight stories in height. It's got this kind of curved, sloping roof across it. Trees on buildings, obviously classic. Uh, sorry, photovoltaic solar panels. I was going to say solar voltaic. I don't know what I was trying to say then, but anyway, (laughs) photovoltaic panels on top are going to provide the structure's energy. Also being built for flood resistance. So it's being built uh, on on a coastline in New York, which is uh, which is interesting. It's going to have this living shoreline beside it. The idea is that kind of attenuates flood waters and, and soaks up any any rising water that might be coming towards the building. And they're not building it with any basement, which is unusual. Whole idea is it's going to uh, enable conversations and training around climate change and sustainability. And it fits with the uh, state government's broader plan to turn Governor's Island into a climate change research laboratory, which we've covered before on the BYM a few times on social media. Um, I like this. I think it looks good. There's been uh, some interesting comments. What do you guys make? Yeah, really, really interesting, mate. I've, I've, uh, I find it really interesting to be honest because obviously it's it's about climate change and they built it on an island and sea levels are rising right <laughs> I, I don't really understand the premise of it in that sense um yeah i mean they will have a good view of the sea rising for sure <laughs> yeah um you know what i mean like it's yeah i do i'm just i'm kind of confused i'm like okay if it's, you know climate change rising sea levels wouldn't it make more sense to not build on the waterfront wouldn't there be a reason not to yeah i hear you mate i hear you i don't i don't think this is very new york at all i don't think it's very like even even that aside i i, I well actually i'll bring that up i would have thought something that's more environmentally friendly would be using um a different building you know maybe an old warehouse or something like that like repurposing somewhere maybe that's far and few between in new york maybe that's really expensive to do but this is going to be crazy expensive isn't it like just looking at it looking where it is it's going to be crazy crazy expensive um i'd imagine commuting there might be a bit difficult (laughs) um and i don't know 
it it just doesn't scream New York. Just architecturally, it doesn't really. Uh, it looks blah. Like it could be literally built anywhere. That is uh, a sentiment reflected throughout the comments. So Brian saying does not at all match or complement the architectural style of the surrounding historic buildings. Yeah. Uh, someone else keeps saying, "Why do you keep on building on lands that are going to flood into oblivion in a few years' time?" <laughs> Uh, and then Chester says, I love this comment, Chester says, you know what they say, the best way to fight climate change is a showy new construction project dropped into a serene park. <laughs> I, th- I think it kind of looks like a tech campus. Yes. The fo- yes. The third and fourth slides, it just looks like a Facebook HQ or a Google HQ. It looks beautiful. Like It looks amazing. I agree, it doesn't look very New York. But to me, it just looks like yeah, like a new tech campus. It's really green, very open. Yeah, lots of nature, relaxing things like that. But um, yeah, I don't think it fits New York either. I love that it's uh, obviously a timber building. That's really really cool, and I like the use of timber in construction. It's just I I just I'm I'm not sure if this is appropriate. The whole project. I like what it's going for. I think the it has good. Uh, has a good intentions, ho- you know. Hopefully, and on paper, it certainly does. I just, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really, really, really not sure. You know, I just don't think it should be built on an island. Why is it being built on an island? What's the point? I'm with you, Luke. I, lo- I like the intention. I think it's a gimmick. A, a climate change educational center. Great, yeah. go for it. But I like, there's a theme in the comments as well. People saying like it would be much more sustainable to reuse an existing building, like one of the many, many empty half vacant office buildings that are captured in the in the renders behind it um <laughs> they've done that classic thing guys where you've, you've got one world trade center slipped into every <laughs> render so you know you're in new york i mean fair enough it's governor's island if you're going to take a picture from any angle on governor's island you're going to take it back towards manhattan but mm. yeah classic it's very green as well very overly saturated i find yeah this ain't it fred this ain't it mate sorry sorry governor's island and skidmore and New York Climate Exchange. It's not it. <laughs> Lucas spoken. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the one. Re- redo it, mate. Not redo for it. me. That's yeah. <laughs> Gemma Collins. Not for me. Um, right, we're swinging over to London, leaving New York behind for the first time in this podcast, leaving it behind and coming over to the UK. Uh, we're going over to London, where plans for a average-looking 35-story new skyscraper next to London's Old Street Roundabout have been unveiled. Cone Pedersen Fox, goodness me, KPF have uh, dominated this podcast. Let's just call it the KPF podcast. Mm. Uh, Cone Pedersen Fox designed 153 meters, so it's just in the skyscraper category. They're basically going to repurpose a very ugly building that's 10 stories tall at 99 City Road, which is the Stanab- Scanamat building. It's like that that Sky TV. It's not Sky TV, ScanStat, whatever it is. Yeah. They're turning that that was built in the 80s and looks absolutely awful into this new, better-looking skyscraper. Is it? Is it up there, guys, with the Burj Khalifa, the Chrysler Building, the Empire State, things you're going to remember forever, the Flatiron Building, something you'd put on your wall as a kid? No, it's not. No, mate. I, th- I think all of Old Street's in that same realm. It's very, it's very dry, I find it. Yeah. Um, do you think this will be built before they actually upgrade that roundabout too? I don't know. It's quite it's quite trendy, old street, isn't it? <laughs> that roundabout, yeah. mate. That roundabout's been built for like fifteen years. <laughs> like, I, I I lived in Old Street in two thousand seven, and there was obviously none of this was there. It was kind of like what Shoreditch was a few years ago. Super trendy, heaps of restaurants, really cool area. Mm-hmm. I stayed there last time, Fred, when I came over um, for a few months last year for the B one M, and um, yeah, that like that character, the feeling of the area is completely gone. Yeah, there, there is a, is it UN Studios? They did a really cool, they did a really cool tower near Old Street, uh, an apartment tower, UN Studios. Yeah, Canaletto Tower. Oh, yeah, Canaletto. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say that's probably the exception to, to yeah, a lot of the other stuff. But listen, I'm, I'm going to, you know, um, I don't know if I'm being contrarian here, but like I'm going to say this this tower isn't meant to be a big landmark. It's not meant to be a Burj Khalifa. It's meant to be, you know, in the Burj Khalifa, you've got all the towers around it. You know, not everything is meant to be a Burj Khalifa. So I would say this does a pretty good job 
of existing uh and it's certainly an improvement on <laughs> on what's there at the moment and i like that kind of saw on a roundabout yeah having a skyscraper like i think of there's a square in uh, barcelona and you've got really like old quite tall building quite thick building art deco tower and it looks fantastic because it's in this square if it were anywhere else if it was just like wedged in between somewhere you wouldn't notice it as much whereas I love like a yeah that tower in front of a public realm. There's something very very cool about that. Um, and I, you, again, I, I I quite like the finish. If if it actually looks like that, if you look at the second slide, that kind of red brick kind of tribute, and obviously next door you've got a red brick, a typical London red brick building. I like it, and I like that it's actually using color so hopefully in finish and in execution it looks just as good as you know the renders but i'm actually uh, a fan of this mr mills what yeah. you're saying is it's it's a bridesmaid not a bride it's yeah the, it's the fries with the big mac not the big mac yeah and even then it's a bridesmaid that's like not at the back not at the front maybe somewhere in the middle do you know what yeah. i mean it's <laughs> but that's fine you're still a bridesmaid right you're still in the party so <laughs> Yeah, You're I, the I do agree. I think the second shot, the detailing, does look beautiful. If they do that across the whole thing, it'd be a very beautifully executed skyscraper. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's nice. It's just, I just are we starting to see the gentrification of Old Street? We probably are. Like it's yeah. it's obviously very trendy. It was the cool place to be. I think that's just going to be over now. That isn't it? ship has sailed, mate. That <laughs> yeah, ship has mate. sailed. That's About five like, <laughs> what, yeah, that is that is old news. Yeah, and um. Uh, gentrification's not always a good thing. I think there needs to be a lot of nuance and a lot of, um, you know, grown-up conversation around gentrification because it's not all doom and gloom, always. Um, It is for a lot of people, though. But I, I think in this instance, mate, Old Street is so close to central London. It, it pretty much is central London. It was only going to be a matter of time, wasn't it? Yeah, just... Speaking practically, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to... Inmarsat is the building that's being built on top of. This is a building that's got the vertical sign that's saying Inmarsat. It looks horrible. It's a horrible building, yeah. Horrible. horrible. Sam yeah. in the comments saying, what an upgrade on the existing building, which definitely hasn't aged well. No, Sam, mm-hmm. we agree. Mm-hmm. Much more visually striking, and the street-level facade looks great. We agree. Uh, Matt saying they're lucky to finish this building well before the upgrade of the roundabout is completed. So there you go, Liam. Um, <laughs> the other people swearing, swearing, saying no. Basically, the, the essence of the the essence of the message is no. Yeah. They've they've done it in more flamboyant language. Old Street is just for city city people. I'm sure there's other people that live there, but it's it's for city workers. All the brand new high rise apartments, beautiful warehouse transformations, things like that. It's all it's, it's kind of like what's happening in Shoreditch now. Shoreditch will be next. That whole sort of area is developing into that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, now, heading up north, we're going uh, from London up to Manchester, staying in the UK, where Manchester City have submitted their planning application for a £300 million new entertainment venue next to the Etihad Stadium. If approved, this very big structure is going to be integrated into the existing stadium and kind of centred around a new, larger north stand, which will help take the ground's overall capacity up to 60,000 people. There's going to be a sky bar. There's going to be a roof walk experience uh, where you harness up and walk around the roof, very much like the O2 Arena in London or Hudson Yards in New York. Every city's got one of them. There's one in Sydney on the old uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge. I've done that Mm -hmm. before. Um, In a statement, the club said, I can't do the Manchester accent this week, guys. I'm just going to read out their statement (laughs) anyway. Um, In a statement, the club said that construction works on the project would take up to three years and could offer up to 2,600 jobs prioritised for people from Greater Manchester, which is nice. Uh, This went down a storm on social media. What do you guys think of it? Uh, I'm a massive fan, but of course that is because I'm a Manchester City fan. Um, And before people go, oh, Man City fan, my dad was a Man City fan. And the reason my dad supported Man City was because uh, he was from London. And for multiple reasons, he should probably support Tottenham. Uh, But he he moved to Canvey (laughs) Island when he was a kid. Thanks, Liam. He got that. He moved to Canvey Island when he was a kid. 
and uh, <laughs> and his best mate, his next door neighbour, supported Man United. And so my dad just supported Man City. <laughs> and, that, and that is the only reason, literally. I have no family in Manchester. But, um, yeah, I love I love City as a club. And, um, you know, the, this stadium was originally uh, for the Commonwealth Games, the 2004, I think, or 2002 Commonwealth Games. And City got the stadium. And they've been making upgrades, and it's fantastic. The whole area's been regenerated um and i i see the comments i see like one of the top a club known for empty seats want even more laughing face mate (laughs) arsenal arsenal man city last week packed like the stadium gets packed mark Um, Mark says uh they don't have enough fans to fill twenty thousand seats let alone sixty thousand. yeah load of rubbish mate load of rubbish they're just jealous mate they're jealous we got lord erling harland yeah just banging them in for fun um yeah, I, I think architecturally, though, I think this is decent. It's it's It doesn't set the world on fire, but I like the idea. I like the principle behind it. And I think it's going to add um, a wee bit more atmosphere and like um, personality to the stadium and to the area on match day or not on match day, which is obviously something that a lot of football clubs struggle with when you no know, match isn't on what happens in that space they, so. they've got this like uh sort of indoor covered square i guess we've got shops and restaurants opening up onto this square there's gonna be like a smaller stage there as well for performances I've, i think that's around three and a half thousand capacity and on match days it's going to be people with certain tickets certain special tickets basically get into that it's like a special fan zone um mm. so mm. you're right it's, it's clever because it's quite adaptable it's bringing people to the venue it's almost like the O2 in London. It's got the big, the big O2 arena. There's also the Indigo 2. There's other bars and restaurants. It's sort of taking a similar leaf from that book, I think. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. No, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I, I really hope this all goes through. I can't wait to see it. And I love, I love the dedication to the area. The regeneration of that part of Manchester has been, has been historic. It's been really, really impressive. So big fan, Liam. What do you think, mate? Mate, I just love that story about your your, your dad trolling his friend. <laughs> it's just <laughs> hilarious, man. Yeah, it's, it's stupid, isn't it? It's so stupid. I love it. it's such a dad thing to do, right? Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. It, it looks great. Well, I always like stadium upgrades, I think, as well. I think they're going to turn it into more of an entertainment venue as well to attract more people and do more than just football games. I think, yeah, it's great. Well, I think someone as well um, pointed out as something that I didn't think of was... Um, this is another boost to if the Etihad wants to be used it for more like international games as well, you know, like yeah. the World Cup or the Euros. And obviously, they want to probably they're probably going to be hosting the Euros in England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, Northern Ireland uh, in 2028, I think it is, um, which will be huge. I don't know if this will be ready by then, but you know, they did the other stand expansion pretty quickly, so let's see. time what names oh. have you made up for us this week luke jacob garlic <laughs> <laughs> no mate no Cecil sage i've got uh yan hockey yeah yan hockey from israel and he says hi b1m thanks for finally making an episode about israel it's been a long time coming and i'm really glad you made it uh please know that skyscraper fans in israel greatly enjoyed the episode um, and he goes on and says like a, f- a few points about like different d- about the skyscrapers in Israel and about the uh, the Israeli tower. Um, but he says, yeah, he has great hopes for future videos on Israel on the channel. So, and he's basically inviting us over to meet up when if if we ever fly over to Israel, Fred. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Nice to get good feedback of that. Thanks. Yeah, Israeli Wikipedia editor, mate. He's he's a he's a big deal. Blimey. It's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's really Wikipedia editor. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. That is the dream. Is I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a wiki donator, though. Do you donate to Wikipedia? Because I use it so often. I always feel like uh, every, I, I feel obliged to donate to the cause, you know? Silence. Can't, okay. Can't I, say it, I don't donate. <laughs> I often uh, I click, I click the X. <laughs> oh, I get the guilt trip and then just carry on reading. <laughs> Sorry, Wikipedia. 
you're used to the guilt trip and moving on. You've got kids, haven't you? You've got that discipline. Yeah. <laughs> you've, <laughs> oh, you've earned that badge. <laughs> no, but it's really nice to hear from you, Jan. And uh, it's great to hear that people in Israel were loving the video and the episode. So I appreciate that, mate. Cheers. Is that it for the inbox this week? Anything I, else you want to read out? I think I think that's it. Yeah, I, we've got a few more some. bits, but I think we're going to save some. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Nice, nice. Give you some time to fabricate some stories from Jacob Garlic. Yeah, you know it, mate. Yeah, you know it. You know it, mate. <laughs> uh, good episode for you guys. Yeah, mate. It's great. What more? What more could you want? <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. New York, yeah, Man City, London skyscrapers. This has been iconic. The this has been building. the flat. Oh yeah, sorry, you, you mentioned that New York. Yeah, more yeah. enthusiastic, more enthusiastic co-hosts. I would like. You say, what more could you want? Yeah, someone want to ask them at the end. Yeah, like, how was the episode? Yeah, yeah. is that right? Yeah. <laughs> what what more could you say, want? Say mate? something. Say something more interesting. Um. Yeah. Best episode ever. Yeah. Oh, you can go that far. What was the best episode? We haven't we haven't had it yet. It's on the way. Yeah, it's on the it's way. In the that, that climate change, that climate change building, that that's got on my nerves. I feel like that might put me in a bad mood later. I'll be sitting there thinking about it, and I'll be like, "Nah, that's that's got on my nerves." I'll look at it again and go, "So much money being put into dross." What you should do is make a, write down a rant about it, stick a fake name at the top, and send it into the email inbox. <laughs> I, all right, I will. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> right. Good, good to be talking to you guys. Uh, we've got another episode coming up your way next week, as ever. Uh, thanks for listening to the World's Best Construction Podcast. Get your reviews coming in. Get your comments coming in. Get your emails coming in. Jacob, we want to hear from you. Get your email into us, mate. And we'll see you next week. Where's he gone? <laughs> he's, he's gone. <laughs> He is one with the force now. <laughs> should I? Should, should, should I? I, I will sentence quite nice, didn't I? That was really good. That was that was sensational. I can hear people laughing. Turn the pipe down, yeah. mate. It's bloody office, not a pub. <laughs>